John chapter 15 and verse number 16. Jesus is speaking in this verse and he said, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. He said, I've chosen you and I've ordained you. And because you're chosen and because you're ordained, he said, go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. I've chosen you and ordained you, so you need to bring forth fruit and your fruit should remain. And so what I'm going to talk to us tonight for a few minutes about is that what I'm calling fruitful expectations. Fruitful expectations. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. But Jesus made this statement here. This is Jesus speaking that we should go forth, go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And Jesus, of course, is speaking to his disciples that they are not to um, be idle. The Lord has saved uh, these disciples. The Lord saves us not so we can sit, but that he expects productivity. The Lord expects productivity. He expects results. God expects what they call in the investment world ROI, return on investment. When investors or when... Um, Large companies are considering a direction, a direction or what they're going to do. If they're going to invest in money, invest money in a direction, they want, they want a return on what they are investing in. The Lord has said, okay, I've chosen you, I've called you, and now I want a return on my investment. And, and, and you notice if, whenever you begin to read some of the stories in the, in, in the Gospels and you read the parables that Jesus spoke, that Jesus talks about accomplishments and he talks about um, achievement, and he uses uses the example of investing or or um, earn, gaining an earning. So he tells the, for example, he tells the story of the parable of the talents. He gives talents, and he said he doesn't want us to take our talent and go bury it in the sand. That's what we want to do. Sometimes we want to just step back out of the the forefront and just hide whatever the Lord has endowed us with. But he said, no, you need to use that talent. So he uses that example in the, in the scriptures. In other passages in the New Testament, when you start talking about accomplishing something and, and, and doing something, the, the example is used of building a building or building a temple. We're a building fitly framed together. We're building something, a part of the kingdom of God. But the, the, the most used metaphor for accomplishment is this idea of producing fruit. And God compares us with trees, with fruit trees. Um, and he says that we should go and bring forth fruit in this verse that we read. We're supposed to continue to grow and bear fruit until the very end of our lives. So there are different kinds of fruit. What is fruit? When, when Jesus said go and bear fruit, what is he talking about? What is he trying to communicate? When we talk about fruit, we're talking about the outward visible works of a person's life that are a result of the inner man. It is the outward, the observable, the visible. What is the fruit? It's the outward, visible, observable works of a person that's a result of that inner man. It's what kind of decisions is a person making. It's 
what kind of actions are they taking. It's what kind of words are they saying. That's fruit. The decisions they make, that's a fruit of their life. The actions they take, that is a fruit. The, the words that a person is speaking, that is revealing the fruit of their life. In the book of Revelation, there are seven churches that are addressed in Revelation chapter 2 and, verse, and chapter 3. And all seven of those churches, all seven of them, when Jesus addressed the angel or the pastor of that church, he said, in all seven of them, he said, I know thy works. I know thy works. I know that. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, I know the fruit of your church. I know what's going on in your church. I, I see your works, and you're doing this and this and this. He said, I know what's going on. Jesus knows the works or the fruit of our church. He's, he's aware of what's happening even in Shakota, Oklahoma. But the scripture speaks of different kinds of fruits. And the, 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 the command from the Lord is that he expects to see fruit, good fruit, from the life of every Christian. So there are different kinds of fruit here. The most common and what we often talk about is the fruit of the Spirit. That is a fruit that is a result of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We're probably all familiar with that term and what the Scripture says that. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, you're cheating now, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Those, those things are the result of the Holy Ghost working on the inside of us, and as, as a result of His Holy Spirit working and changing us, the fruit comes out. We love. We have peace. We're peacemakers. We have joy, joy unspeakable, full of glory. All of these fruit begin to show up in our lives. There's another verse. I don't think I put it in the computer, but it says in Ephesians 5, 9, the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So that's the first kind of fruit. There's another kind of fruit that's spoken about in the Scripture, and it's the fruit of repentance. And when a person repents, it should show up in their life. Repentance is not just something we say we've done. It shows up in our actions. That's what we're talking about. Fruit is decisions, it's actions, it's words. And so there's a fruit of repentance that is spoken of in Matthew chapter 3, verse number 8. When John the Baptist was baptizing a crowd of people and some of the religious people wanted to be baptized also, they said, we want to join the crowd. John said, nope, I'm not going to baptize you. He said, go bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. If, if you have not repented, I'm not going to baptize you. And so the fruit of repentance is a changed life. It's, a change, it's changed decisions. It's changed actions. Another kind of fruit that's mentioned in the scripture is the fruit of holiness. And in Romans chapter 6, verses 21 and 22, Romans 6, 21, 22, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? Remember how it was before you came into the, the church? Remember the fruit of your life, what it looked like when you were bound by sin? For the end of those things is death. Verse 22 says, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So it kind of goes right along with the fruit of repentance that once we turn to God and we are set free from sin, that there is a change in our lifestyle. 
we're no longer bound by our sin, and the result of that is that our habits are changed, and now we walk free, and our, the fruit is holiness. There's a godliness about us, and the end of that is everlasting life. So we have fruit of the Spirit, fruit of repentance, fruit of holiness. There's also fruit of our lips, the fruit of our lips. In Hebrews 13, 15, and I'm sure many of you will recognize this verse, but Hebrews 13 and 15, it says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to, our na- to his name. Um, so it's another kind of fruit. What are we saying? What, what kind of praise is coming out of our lips? We're saying, thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for the change. Thank you for salvation. And one more kind of fruit here that's mentioned in Scripture that I'll include here tonight is the fruit of our work for God or the fruit of our labor. Paul talks about it to a couple of different churches. Um, for example, Romans 1.13 He said, now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was hindered or let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. So Paul was referring to the fruit of his labor in in Rome. He was writing to this church in Rome, and he's hoping that he might, he's saying that, that perhaps maybe there would be some fruit among you also. He makes another statement, if you're taking notes, Philippians 1.22. He talks about the fruit of his labor. But I was trying to think of this, and you know, our ministry and our work for God, the fruit of our labor, and, and perhaps that where there is no fruit that is produced, maybe it's the result of no labor. Um. If there's no fruit of, the, of our work in the Lord, maybe, maybe we're missing something. And, and I understand tonight, and, and I'll probably talk more about this in just a minute, but I understand God gives the increase, and I understand God is the Lord of the harvest. I understand that, that man plants a seed and we water, but God gives the increase. He's the one who adds to the church daily. But, but I believe there has to be some fruit of our work for the Lord. There has to be some. Um, it may not show up immediately. In fact, most of the time it doesn't show up right away. But I would say God expects fruit. And he expects the right kind of fruit. He has fruitful expectations of his people. Fruitful expectations. Fruits. Fruits are not gifts. There's a difference when you talk about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And I don't want to spend a long time here, but, but just, just to, to remind us that the gifts of the Spirit, spiritual gifts that the Bible talks about, they're important and they're a part of the church and they ought to be an operation in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, word of faith, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Um, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy. There's nine of them listed in in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Those gifts of the Spirit need to be in operation in the church, but those gifts are not the fruit of the Spirit. And the difference is that fruit of the Spirit is for everybody all the time. 
But gifts of the Spirit are for specific instances and situations where God moves upon his person. God will use somebody for a certain circumstance or situation. If, um, if there's a need for discerning of spirits, the Spirit of the Lord can enable somebody to discern, have a supernatural ability to discern, um, or a word of knowledge or prophecy. And um, Michael, did I put in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28? In that, would you put that up there for me, please, sir? This is, this is what it says at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he's talking about the gifts. He said, God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. The, the obvious answer is they're not. And then he says this in verse 30, have all gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. And then the last verse, he says, but covet earnestly the best gifts, yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And so he, you know, the whole 12th chapter and even in the 14th chapter, he's talking about gifts of the Spirit and how that they are to be, um, they're to operate decently and in order, not in confusion in the church. He said, but covet earnestly the best, best gifts, and then that last statement, he says, but I show unto you a more excellent way. Spends all this time talking about gifts, but there's a more excellent way. What is the more excellent way? You just skip down to, or not even skip down, you just go to the very next verse in chapter 13, verse number one. And he said, I don't have it in this computer. He said, but I, he talks about love. Love is the more excellent way. Though I have the gift of prophecy, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Oh, very good. Thank you, sir. You can leave it up there. Though I speak, there you go. Have not charity, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And then I think the next verse says, if I give my body to be burned, um, understand all prophecy and all mysteries and knowledge, and so I could remove mountains, and I have not charity, I am nothing. Go ahead and throw verse number three up there, please. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profit me. What is he trying to say? He said, if I have all these spiritual gifts, but I, but I don't have love, he said, it doesn't really matter. This is the more excellent way. And I'm not trying to de-emphasize the gifts versus the, the fruit of the Spirit, because we have to have both of them, but we don't de-emphasize one to exalt the other. And sometimes, even in Pentecostal circles, we're pushing the gifts, and we're, we're, we talk a lot about the gifts and having the operation of the gifts. But Paul said the more excellent way is love. Why is love more important? Because it's a fruit of the Spirit, and it is for everybody all the time. Now, these gifts have a purpose for specific times and specific people for specific situations. But fruit, all the time for all of us. We all have to love. We all need to be, give, be peace lovers and all need to be people of joy. So there's a difference between fruit and gifts, but they're both very, very important. And God expects gifts. So what happens when there is no fruit? If God expects fruit from us, what happens when there is no fruit? Um, if you want to turn in this, turn to the scripture, Matthew chapter 3, verse number 10. This is a very important scripture here. Matthew chapter 3, verse number 10. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So I want you to get in your, in your mind this, this image of an axe. And he said, the axe is laid 
laid unto the root of the trees. And when I studied this, I, I, I looked at the literal rendering of this, and what it's saying is that the axe is actually laying there ready for use. The axe is there. And if there is a tree that is not producing fruit, the axe is picked up and it, is, it takes the tree out. So every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Whenever um, we were away last week, the week before we, we went to Minnesota for a couple of days, and when we were in Minnesota, we went to this big place that had a bunch of pumpkins, and they had an apple orchard. And my wife and her sister-in-law, our sister-in-law, <laughs> they, were, they were looking at pumpkins and different things. So I just, it was just the three of us. So I went walking through the apple orchard. And so I was looking at all these things. And then later we went to Ohio and we drove by another apple orchard. And the thing that caught my attention was that how small these trees were. I thought, this is, these are amazing. Most of those trees were were maybe just a foot or two taller than I am, maybe seven, eight foot tall. The ones in Ohio, they had harvested all the ones in Minnesota, but the ones in Ohio, they were just loaded with apples. Right there in, in Rittman, Ohio, and just, just a little a mile or so from the church, and just, what, what, were they like Granny Smith apples? They were green, weren't they? But they were just, and this little tree, you know, about yay tall, just, but I was amazed at that because, when I think of a fruit tree, I think of this massive pecan tree like in Bixby. I mean, huge trees with, covered with pecans. But these are just little trees. And I thought, well, you know, surely they've been cutting on those trees and pruning those trees for years, shaping them and keeping them to a certain height so they can just reach up there and pick all those apples. And, and pruning, obviously, I mean, we all understand what pruning is, is when you cut things back so they'll grow and produce more fruit. But this verse here, Matthew 3.10, Jesus is talking about a tree that has no fruit. He's not talking about pruning the tree. He's talking about cutting it off at the root. A tree that does not produce fruit, he said it is cut, or John says, is cut down and cast into the fire. In, in Luke 13 and 6, Luke 13 and 6, he spake a parable also. Also this parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came and sought fruit thereon and found none. No fruit on this, this fig tree. And then verse number 9, this is Luke chapter 13, verse number 9. If it bear fruit, well. If not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. If a tree is not producing, if a tree is, 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 has no benefit, then he said it is cut down. While we were away, we, have a, we had a cedar tree the last couple of years that started dying at our house. And when we, while we were gone, my, my father-in-law cut it down and, and pulled the root out. Because, was it variegated? Is that what you called that tree, that cedar tree? It was a variegated cedar tree. It was nice at one point, had two different colors, maybe more green and yellow or something in it. And uh, it was this nice tree, but it died. And it was, in the, it was in the line, if you've been to our house, it's in the line of trees and crepe myrtles there on the east side of our house. But that, that tree was no longer of any benefit. It wasn't going to grow anymore. So just cut it down. Just get rid of it. We've got a, a spruce now, I think, that's just about gone. And a, a pine tree we've transplanted. They're all gone. We're going to have to cut them down because 
or dig them up or something because they're not any value. They're never going to grow anymore. But the scripture is teaching us is that if there is no fruit on the tree, it is cut down. It is imperative that we produce. God expects fruit. What he's saying is out of our lives, good fruit, not the negative fruit, not the bad fruit. God does expect, he expects good fruit of our lives. So here's something to remember about fruit, though, is that bearing fruit is a process. Again, I think every one of us understand about planting seeds and watering and cultivating. Most all of us have planted a garden or been involved in picking vegetables or been around agricultural things, you know, when you plant wheat or you plant corn or soybeans. All of that takes time to produce the desired end. Obviously, when you plant wheat, it's not ready the next day. It goes through the whole growth process before it is ever harvested. The same is true about producing good fruit in us as children of God. We have to produce, um, it takes time for fruit to be produced in our life. Jeremiah, or excuse me, John chapter 12, verse 24. John 12, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. There's a process. The seed has to go on the ground. It has to go through that time where it dies out. It opens up, and then it begins to push through the surface of the soil. And then it grows. But it's, if you're planting corn, it's several weeks, months, before it ever produces an ear of corn or potatoes or, or whatever you like to eat. It's, it, there's a... There's a period of time for it to take the process. And so when it comes to bearing fruit, we have to be patient. Sometimes we may think, you know, maybe we see somebody coming into the church and we think they, they, they need to change that about their life. Sometimes we expect instantaneous change in people's lives. Why, why aren't they doing different? Maybe they haven't grown to that point. Maybe they need to mature a little bit. Well, I don't understand why they do, why don't they why doesn't she stop cutting her hair? Well, maybe she needs to grow and learn. I don't understand why he's still drinking. Well, maybe he needs to maybe he needs the spirit to help him overcome some things. So there, there's a process, there's a growth where, where lives are changed. And I understand sometimes when, when God saves people, it's it's instantaneous and there are, there are immediate changes in people, and that happens. But other things, it takes a long time for a lot of people to, to grow into the depth of sin that they get into. And in like manner, it takes, sometimes it takes people a long time to grow out of that stuff. Um, when it comes to seeing the fruit of our labor, the fruit of our work in the Lord and the church, Sometimes we have to just sit back and be patient. You know what? That, that's, God's, that's God's work. And, and be, you know, people, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but people are frustrating. I hope you understand what I'm saying. But people, people are people. I'm a people. I'm a person. And, and, and sometimes we want people to, to move along. Come on. Go do a work for God. Um, but, you know, I was involved in youth ministry for a long time, and 
And I know things like youth ministry and children's ministry, you invest in kids and you invest in children and you're working and you're working and you're working and then the kid grows up and he leaves the church. You think, ah, it's wasted. No, it really wasn't wasted because you plant seeds and you water them. And there are, there are a multitude of stories of people who, young people, children, who, who uh, seeds were planted in their lives as children or young people and then years later they came back to the church or they found their road back... And they say, I remember this, and I remember the Brother Jones, Ronnie Jones has talked about the owner of the Mexican restaurant over here, Jasmine, Jasmine's. Jasmine used to ride the big blue bus to the church in, what was it, purple? Excuse me, the big purple bus at Broken Bow to church on Sundays. Brother Johnny Cheek's church, way down there, she used to ride that bus, go to their church. She, her mother, if I understand the, the whole scenario, her mother still attends the church in Antlers where Brother Vickers is the pastor. But there were some seeds planted in, in Jasmine and her brother, her brother is Alejandro. And um, so right now, I don't know how much of a walk with the Lord they have in their life, but we're just looking for that open door. And you know what? There may come a point, there come a time that those seeds actually come to fruition. And so what I would say is don't give up on people. And, and I've watched people throughout our ministry, through our, just don't give up on the people you're trying to win to the Lord. Don't give up on backsliders. Be patient with people. Um, keep planting seeds of faith and hope in their life and keep watering them and keep talking about the goodness of the Lord. You know, when you get around backsliders, the thing not to do is to, to pounce on them and say, why don't you live for God? No, no, no. no. Say God's good. You know what God did in our service today? You just talk about the good things of the Lord. It don't, you don't hammer on them. You love them. You show the fruit of the Spirit. And just it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of patience to see growth. But it's a process. That's what I'm trying to say. Even, even the Lord working on us, people like you and me, it's a process, isn't it? The Lord's working on us. It's a pro- and sometimes the Lord has to discipline us. Just, and you read the book of, I'm not going to take time to look at it, but Hebrews chapter 12 talks about, how that in the natural, a father has to discipline his children to correct them. In the same way, it goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 12, how the Lord disciplines his children. And he said, the writer of Hebrews says, if the Lord did not discipline us, then we really aren't his sons. We're really not his children. But thank the Lord, he disciplines us. What is he doing? He's patiently redirecting us, helping us come along so that we produce fruit in our life. How does God discipline us? Sometimes the Lord just redirects us. He says, buddy, you're going the wrong way. And he'll block our path. He'll block us from making certain decisions. Has that ever happened to you? Has it, can, you ever think of a, can you think of a time that you were going a certain direction and the Lord blocked that door from opening? He does that. Sometimes, sometimes we sit in church and the Holy Spirit speaks to us right in the middle of service. It's a prompting. It's a, it's a pricking of our heart. That's, that's the Lord correcting us. It's not the preacher meddling, sometimes maybe. But it's usually not the preacher meddling. It's the Holy Ghost that's pricking our hearts. And, and the Lord is redirecting. He's saying, slow down. Sometimes the Lord says, slow down. Sometimes the Lord makes us slow down. And so 
That's so that we can produce fruit in our life. He steps on our toes and he prunes us back so that we can grow and produce more fruit. It's a process. God expects fruitfulness. And there are different kinds, excuse me, there are different amounts of fruitfulness that are mentioned in the scripture. In John chapter 15, verses uh, beginning in verse number 1, John chapter 15, verse number 1. I think it would be good to go ahead and read this. And I'll wrap up here in just a couple of moments. John 15 and 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. So just notice there in verse 2, he talks about bearing fruit, and then he says that it may bring forth more fruit. The two different levels. Verse number 3, But you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth Much fruit. So there's another level right there. He brings forth much fruit. So there's we can bring forth fruit. We can bring forth more fruit. Or he says, bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, is withered, and men gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. So there are, there are different levels of productivity there that's mentioned, but our, but our objective is to be as productive as possible, to bear as much fruit as we can, not to live it as a minimalist, but to bear as much fruit as possible. And then Jesus tells this parable of the sower. And he said, the sower went out, to sow the seeds, and the seed fell in the four different places. Remember, it fell among the rocky soil, fell fell by the wayside, um, it fell among the thorns, and then it fell among the good ground. And he said, the seed that fell among the good ground, it sprang up and it began to produce fruit. And he said, the fruit, this is the good seed, the good ground, it produced fruit, and he said, some a hundredfold, I'm going to find the reference here if I can. Some hundredfold. Uh, Matthew 13, 8. Oh, you got it there. Look at this. Some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. None of those are bad. He's talking about good ground and the seed that fell. And it produced fruit, but different amounts. It's all good. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, there are people in the body who produce more fruit than other people. They're all, they're all right. Everybody's right. It's not that one person is more spiritual, perhaps, than another person. It's just that one person is more fruitful than another. And I thought, you know, that's why it's probably not good for, for people to compare themselves with somebody else. To look across and say, you know what, she's not pulling her weight. She's not producing near as much as I am. Look at everything that I'm doing for the Lord and look at her. 
she just might be a 30-fold, and I might be a 100-fold. Um, it's, it's just that way in the kingdom. Um, you might have a whole bushel of bananas, and someone else might only have a bunch of bananas, but it's all bananas. It's just different amounts. Some hear more, some grow more, some grow faster than others. Amen. Just be yourself. Live for God. Work for God. Do the best you can, and the fruit will, will produce. Last thing I'll say here tonight, or last point I'll make, is that fruit tells the real story. Fruit, God expects us to be fruitful, but fruit tells the real story. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 16. You shall know them by their what? By their what? By their fruits. You shall know them by their fruits. Uh, verse number 20 of that same chapter. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Fruits tell the story. Either a tree is good and its fruit is good, or the tree is corrupt and the fruit is corrupt. The reason a person lives, does, talks, behaves, makes the decisions they make is because it's the fruit of their life. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's the visible, observable part of their inner man that's coming out. A person that lives out the peace of God is a peacemaker. They do it because it's the fruit of the Spirit working in their life. A person that doesn't retaliate when they're attacked is because they have produced some fruit that's called gentleness and meekness. But on the other end of that spectrum, the person that's selfish, the person that, that only thinks of themselves, that is selfish with their time or their money, they do so because of the roots. That's their fruit. It's not good fruit. The person that, you know, you know the guy that acts like a jerk to his wife, he does that because that's the fruit of his life. That's what's going on on the inside of him. So there, there's different kinds of fruit here. There's the person that's faithful to God, that's faithful in, in that which is least, but then there's the person that's unfaithful to God. Um, we go the places we go because of the, it's revealing of the fruit. We don't go some places because it reveals the fruit. The words we speak are fruit. The clothes we wear, they're fruit. How we behave is the fruit, either good or bad. Wearing immodest clothes, that's fruit. When, you know, when, when we dress godly, when we dress modestly, that's fruit. Um, it's, it's fruit that, is, that says there's godliness and holiness on the inside. When a, when a woman knows about 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and she cuts her hair, it is simply the bad fruit that's coming out on the vine. When a man knows 1 Corinthians chapter 11, but he doesn't cut his hair, it's revealing the bad fruit that's in his, in his heart. But when a man or a woman, they follow the scriptural teaching of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that also reveals the fruit. It reveals the fruit of a walk and a relationship with God. So when we talk about fruit, we're talking about that outward, visible works of a person's life that are the direct result of that inner man. What kind of decisions are they making? What kind of actions are they taking? What kind of words are they saying? God expects fruitful, a 
He expects good fruit, the right kind of fruit. He has fruitful expectations of his people. Amen. And you know what? We won't ever produce fruit if we're not attached to the vine. If we're not, he said, if you abide in me and I in you, the fruit will come. But when we sever that relationship, and that's really what it all boils down to is relationship, relationship, relationship. It's not about church. It's not about religion. It's not about traditions. It's not about rituals. It's about relationship, relationship, relationship. Am I walking with the Lord? Am I walking with the Lord? You know, it, it, it sometimes, and I'll just be transparent here with you, sometimes it's hard as a pastor when you see the fruit in people's lives. You see what's coming out. You see, and, and you know, as a pastor, I could stand behind a pulpit and say, don't do this, don't do this, why are you doing that? What needs to change is the roots. Now, I'm going to do my best to teach and to teach what the Word of God says and to teach the truth, but, you know, um, it takes more than just people complying to things on the outside and producing fruit. What truly needs to change is the root, because the roots determine the fruit. Amen. So God help us to produce the right kind of fruit, and that we are productive in, in the fruit of the Spirit, and in our work for the Lord, and everything that's pleasing and honorable to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we worship you tonight.